0: What's up, guys? It's social entrepreneur and Texan expat Eric Melcher, where you are listening to my podcast, Innovators Can Laugh, where I dive into the interesting and fascinating stories of innovators from all over the world. Before I forget, if you enjoy the show, please give us a review and join our newsletter at innovatorscanlaugh.substack.com, where you can get a preview and show notes of every guest we have on the show. Recently, I discovered that the capital of Estonia, Tallinn, is considered the Silicon Valley of Europe, which is astounding considering that Estonia only has a population of around 1.3 million people. Innovative technologies like Skype and startup unicorns like Pipedrive originated here. So how is this small Baltic country able to produce technological innovations? Well, my next guest, Hillary Pops, Software Product Manager for Ampler Bikes, is here to shed light on this. Without further ado, let's dive into the conversation where Hillary and I are discussing Estonia's amazing air quality before we get into the country startup culture. I heard Estonia is really nice, number one air quality in the world, has the most lakes out of any other country. So I'm just curious, when you go to other places, do you notice the air quality? Is it bad or is it good? Are you ever comparing that back to, back home?
1: Not at all, actually. I guess I haven't been uh, to the countries where the air quality is really bad, such as China, for example. But if I travel around in Europe, I don't really notice it. I just know the jokes that uh, we could uh, sell the Estonian airs just pack it up in a plastic bag and sell it to other countries. But I'm afraid it's not something you notice. <laughs> on
0: <the big> <laughs> I've never noticed it myself, but I think you would have some buyers. A friend of mine who I run with here in Bucharest one day I texted him and I said, you want to go for a run? And he responded and said, no, the air quality is bad today. And I thought he was joking. I thought he was was kidding. I I didn't believe him, but no, he looked and whenever the quality was bad, he, he was adamant about not running. Whereas I've never once even considered what the air quality is like. I'm more about the heat index, like how bad is the humidity and if it's like super hot, then, then I definitely don't want to be out there. But air quality, I never even thought of that. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about is that I read somewhere that the city of tallinn did I say that right? Tallinn. Tallinn, yes. The capital. Okay, okay the capital. Tallinn is considered the Silicon Valley of Europe, right? Because it has more startups per head of population there. Is that something that most Estonians know and take pride in?
1: Oh, definitely. I think we definitely know it. And to think about where it all began, I would like to contribute that to possibly a former president, Thomas Henry Kilvas, who uh, started this uh, program called Tiger Leap in the 90s. Not sure if you've heard of it before. No. But uh, as a new independent country, he was able to secure a part of the budget of the country to make sure that uh, we have computers and internet, that's where that started from. That kids grew up with internet, with the knowledge of what's going on outside and it's my generation actually. So now if I look around, then I grew up with not only Skype that's invented in Estonia, but today also Pipedrive and Verif and Voilt that employs millions of people And it just seems like everything is possible. This one little change in mentality was made in the 90s. And now I think everybody knows how to make a difference.
0: Oh, my God. So you're saying that when you were like in the fourth or fifth or sixth grade, you had access to the Internet and kids were already doing some sort of exercises on the computers.
1: Yes, and uh, this has uh, grown exponentially as well. I had my cousin, who was, I think, seven at the time, once came to me and said, look, I created a game. What I expected was that he would come to me with a piece of paper and see this, like, tic-tac-toe or something, but it turned out he had actually coded a game. So now, two years later, he's 11, and he's light uh, years ahead of me when it comes to anything to do with computers.
0: How many people would you say actually go into some sort of engineering computer engineering developing because coding is the one thing where you don't have to have a college background and you can make really good money and have a really good career so do a lot of people in estonia pursue that path
1: Mm, that's right it's a really good career but i think not enough people pursue that path because i work in software development myself and we are constantly in a lack of uh, developers. I wish we had more actually because the country itself is quite small. We're just 1.3 million people, so finding the developers is really hard. However, I think it's going to get better pretty soon because a group of entrepreneurs took it upon themselves to create an IT school in Estonia actually, in the middle of nowhere, in the eastern part of Estonia, where they will be choosing a number of people to teach them uh, development with no tuition, no tutors, just project-based school. And that's, I think, I'm not sure about the numbers, but in two years, we should have like maybe 300 more developers to work with, which is great.
0: That's we need them. Yeah. Yeah, my sons he just turned four. In fact, today's his birthday. He just turned four. Oh, okay. <laughs> What age should we try to get him exposed to coding classes? I need to look here in Bucharest to see if they exist. But you said that your cousin's seven, and he already created some sort of program or coded a game already. So at what age did he start? And How young are you seeing these kids participating in such programs?
1: I don't think that for them, there's a line between coding education and just regular Games and and just living, they already grow up with with the phones, and that's where they get started. They understand the UX much better than uh, we do, probably, and uh, they will get into building their own games pretty quick if you just give them the right tools. So I wouldn't even say that you have to send your kid somewhere. I would just say that give him a nice program that teaches him to create his first game, and uh, he will just take up interest himself because it's like Legos. They'll want to do it. That's my guess, at least.
0: Yeah, he started saying, Come, Daddy, come look what I made, look what I made. And he's always building something different with Legos. And, and mm-hmm. he totally loves it. Okay, so back to Pipe Drive. You mentioned this startup in Estonia. This is a very innovative software tech company. I think it reached unicorn status, valued at almost $1.5 billion, maybe even more today. Tell me about your experience there because you were there for quite some time. What was that, right? I loved it.
1: I think I loved every moment of it because I, when I was studying in Madrid, I did my career in uh, finances and accounting. And I hated that. I knew that I wasn't going to work in that field at all. And somebody told me like, why don't you join Pipe Drive? And I was like, sure, I'll do whatever. And I got accepted to the sales, uh, inbound sales team. I had, of course, seven interviews I should do in Pipedrive. It wasn't too easy to get uh, into it. But what was interesting to me in the interview process was that they never asked me What I did in university, they just looked at me as a person and wanted to understand whether I'm, uh, I don't know, bright enough to grow into the role, which I guess I was. So I was in sales for, I think, a year, maybe even over that a little bit. And then I transitioned to a researcher's role in the marketing team, always with really good bosses who allowed me to learn a lot. And somehow out of that grew my opportunity to become a product manager. And if I look back at this uh, journey, it makes perfect sense because we're talking about the sales software and I was selling the sales software. So I already knew how the customers were thinking before doing research. And with research, I got even more into their heads. So after that, building the software, it just came naturally. And I think it was three and a half or four years altogether. at I saw it grow from 130 to 600 people.
0: That's Uh, a lot, that's major growth. That is significant growth at that time. So you're talking about, it could be a handful to maybe a dozen new people starting almost every week (laughs) during that period.
1: Sure. We had uh, quite big boot camps, maybe every two weeks or every month. I don't remember, but uh, it was a three day event where everybody came together. You met not only the people joining here in Estonia, but also the people who joined the company in London or New York or Portugal. Everybody came together, they had uh, courses, we got to know the company, the culture. We had this event where all the founders came together and gave talks. So really this bootcamp uh, gave you, first of all, the sense of uh, community and sense of mission already. So I think that was a big part of uh, growing the team because people after seeing that coming to Estonia really want to. Yeah,
0: so let's talk about the culture a little bit because there seems to be an open-mindedness to launching products, for Estonia in general that can solve not just local humanitarian challenges, but global issues. So for example, Estonia launched a global hackathon last year that involved participants from more than 100 countries. And you were a part of this initiative, Hillary. Can you tell me about your experience?
1: Yeah, sure. I think you could do probably an entire show on the global hack and how it went from from beginning to end, because I didn't join from the very beginning. My story actually started in Thailand. I was one of the last people who could enter Estonia before the lockdown, and then I was under quite strict quarantine. I had to self-isolate and I was already in a point where I was taking apart all my cupboards and taking my food out and putting them back and organizing my entire apartment when a friend caught me and was like, Pritchard time to better use, why don't you just join us at the Global Hack?" I agreed. And at first, I thought I could do it along with my actual job at Ampler Bikes. But really quickly, I think in a matter of days, it became so intense that I took a vacation from my regular job and just committed 100% uh, to the global hack. And I was in the communications team, which was great as well, because I didn't have experience with it before. So it was uh, such a great learning experience. Then it was two weeks for me, Uh, a schedule you wouldn't imagine, sleeping maximum four hours every day, eating, I don't know, whatever was in the fridge and coffee. But if I think about what made me do it, of course, the mission, I was really inspired by it, it, but uh, more so the people around me. The boss that I had there, for example, she, even in the most busiest time, she would always start to call with, how are you doing? Have you slept? Have you eaten? So uh, <laughs> if, you're working, if you're working with people like that, then at the end of the day, uh, you don't even realize how hard you're working because you just really want to do it. And the result was amazing, of course.
0: Yeah, I read that there was over 100 different solutions that came about. Do you recall any projects that that you thought were just really interesting and you hope that they got implemented, even if it wasn't in Estonia, but it may be in some other part of the world? Well,
1: of course, I would like to point out the Estonian people, right? Because we're such a small community. And I really do think that one idea that took off, and I believe they're working until today as well, it's called uh, VAB, V-A-A-B. And what they did was uh, create a database of uh, medical uh, professionals, or not even professionals, just people with some kind of medical training to be able to call them out if necessary. So for example, if you have some kind of medical training, the medical institutions wouldn't know it unless you're a real doctor or a nurse. But what you can do is you can sign yourself up into the database and as soon as there's a call for any professionals, you get the email and you can register. So if too many people come into the hospitals, and they don't really have anyone to use, but it's not, you don't need to be a surgeon for it, you just need to have the basic training, then that's how you can find the people. So it's just connecting the dots and creating a database of people who can help. And I think that was really clever and really necessary. And quite easy to do maybe in Estonia, which is a, such a small country, right? It's, it would be a shame if we didn't have something like this implemented.
0: I see that being a necessary for everywhere, all parts of the world. I think in the US, there's going to be a shortage of nurses that they foresee as the, the older demographic, that population continues to increase over the next 20 years. There's just not enough nurses to treat these people. And that kind of technology and that application would be very useful, not just for the nursing, but in almost any sort of situation where somebody has some kind of training in the medical field. That That's fascinating. So you're doing this global hack. It was taking a lot of your time. You then go back to Ampler Bikes. And this is how I first discovered you, because when I saw Ampler Bikes, I thought this is the cleanest looking e-bike that I've ever seen. You can't even see the battery. I think there's some models like the Stellar where the battery is actually hidden inside the frame. And I just thought, this is such a beautiful bike. And I was really interested in learning more about it. What's it like being a part of of that team, creating these fabulous looking bikes that I'm a little bit jealous because you only sell them in Europe. Of course, since I'm in Romania, I could probably get one. But for my friends back in the U.S., uh, right now they can't get one. But how's that experience been like? Because you talk about pipe drive as if you're having a really good experience there, but now you're with Ampler Bikes. How did you make that transition and why?
1: Mm-hmm. I think I made the transition in the best way you can ever transition from one company to another, where I didn't actually want to leave pipe drive. I was still fulfilled there and I liked it, but Ampler just offered me something I couldn't say no to because as the same as you, I fell in love with the product immediately and I fell in love with the mentality as well The three founders that uh, built the bikes uh, are so down to earth and think in the same way about a business that I would. So I just wanted to be a part of that success story.
0: Okay. Where are they they offering the bikes right now? In what countries? Is it mostly the Baltics or what other parts of Europe? Mm -hmm.
1: So the company is Estonian and we're building all the bikes here as well. But our main market is actually Germany. Then after that, of course, the Netherlands and Denmark and Austria, but much, much less here in Estonia, unfortunately. I think it has something to do with both the price. It is, if you think about a bike, then you don't think that you would pay almost 3000 euros for it. But in Germany, I think the mentality is a little bit different. They don't see it as a regular bike. They see it almost a substitute to a car because they also have the infrastructure in place and they have schemes by the government that help them support the purchase of these kinds of bikes. So I think that's where I would like to see Estonia be as well.
0: Is there something um, unique about the software in comparison to other e-bikes?
1: I would like to answer about the internal tools from our side and the functionalities are good, but when it comes to the internal tools, then there's really no place where we could copy it. other bike manufacturers won't share how they are uh, managing their warehouse or how they're managing their customer information or any, anything. So that's something we have had to come up with ourselves. And I think it's a really interesting challenge.
0: Okay. And I read somewhere that somebody can try the bike for up to two weeks and if they're not happy or satisfied with it, they can return it. Is that true?
1: Mm-hmm, that's right. And we do hope that it's returned in good conditions and you really... <laughs> it has happened actually that somebody has ordered the bike taken it apart into pieces to see what's going on inside put it back together maybe not even correctly and then send it back so we're not too happy about those cases <laughs> yeah. but yeah of course if you don't like the bike then i'm sure that there's another bike for you out there and we don't want or need to be for everyone we just want to make sure that the people who do decide to get our bikes are really happy with them and that's actually the mentality that went for Bike drive as well so Mm, if it doesn't fit for you that's completely fine we'd be happy to help you find something else that does as long as you're really what you're doing
0: okay Can you share any details or any information about uh, possible expansion initiatives in other markets that that the company may be going into? Yeah,
1: sure. It's a funny thing that I haven't seen this problem in my career yet that we don't really have problems with selling the bikes. The market is so big, even here in Estonia, in uh, Europe, and in Germany specifically. We rather have problems right now with uh, shipping the bikes because of the situation in the world. However, we are hoping that we could expand to Switzerland next or uh, any other country near there where the bicycles are are really expected
0: got you okay Hilary now for just a little bit of fun stuff so Mm -hmm. that the audience can get to know you can you tell me about maybe a favorite tv show or movie that you can watch again and again Uh, for
1: me it's parks and recreation for sure
0: yeah i definitely know the show okay is there a food that you don't like a food that Uh actually disgusts you
1: Yes, there is. Actually, I think only one and it's uh, called, I don't know if it exists in other parts of the world, but it's meat jelly. (laughs) And I think it's disgusting.
0: I think it exists here in Romania. They have this jelly with this, yeah, this bones and meat inside of it. And I, luckily my in-laws don't make that, but I've Mm -hmm. heard about it and uh, I'm glad that they don't make that because... I would not want to offend them at the table. And of course, being the good son-in-law that I am, I would eat it. And I have to force the smile on my face saying, oh, this is delicious. <laughs> and I know that. Okay. Any any quirky or crazy or funny memories from your time in Madrid? That anything that stands out?
1: I think one of the most memorable times was when I remembered that I got paid for my work. And then I went to the store and got two avocados. And that seemed like the most extravagant thing that you could ever do, is just buy avocados to accompany your pasta, or not even pasta, just macaroni. <laughs> when I
0: was, when I was poor, a poor student as well, I would make macaroni and cheese and mix it with tuna. Mm-hmm. And that was like good for two days. And that was like one of my dishes when I was a poor student. Hillary, if people want to learn more about you, where should they go?
1: Where should they go? So LinkedIn, yes. And for Amplerbikes.com or Ampler Instagram, or just if anyone happens to be in Europe, in either Berlin or Cologne or even Tallinn, then visiting us in the showroom is always great.
0: Fantastic. Okay, Hilary, thank you so much for being on Innovators Can Laugh. We're excited to have you on the show. We hope that everybody learned about Hilary, Estonia and Ampler Bikes. Until next week, this is Eric saying goodbye and La Revedere. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to write to me, my address is innovatorscanlaugh at substack.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter at Melcher underscore Eric on Facebook or Instagram at innovators can I'm Eric Melcher and you're listening to innovators can